The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk and Built by Nature. Catch Texas Football Today live weekdays at noon on TexasFootball.com and Facebook. And get involved with the show using hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show that has hit another dumb milestone. My name is Greg Tupper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show i'm sitting here sitting over there celebrating his 49th birthday today happy birthday to fat joe hey all right that's exciting fat joe for episode 800 huh yeah okay so, first first four through the door brent home and guy frazier jacob john josh chapel what's up guys today is monday august 19th 2019 101 days till thanksgiving <clears throat> episode number 800 800, the number of at-bats for John Ellison's illustrious Texas Rangers career from 1976 to 1981. 800, we made it, Max. Could hey, we be done now? Do you, do you have a... Could we be done? Do you have any words of wisdom to share about here, 800 episodes? Here on this, the 800th episode of Texas Football Today, I will say, thanks for watching. We quite literally would not do it if you weren't watching it's or true. listening. Yeah. So, um, I, 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 like, I don't know. You, our our thoughts on round number milestones are well documented. Yeah, kind of whatever. But I will say that any opportunity we have to be grateful to the people who watch this show and listen to the podcast, I will take. And what better way to celebrate than preview week? And mm-hmm. so with preview week, uh, we've got Jay Plotkin on the show today. He's going to be our high school writer this season. Uh, he'll be doing, joining us for the 6A preview. But coming up this week, the rest of this week, mm-hmm. it is a TF tier extravaganza. It's a Hall of Fame class of the, TF tiers. For the 5A preview, we'll be joined by Guy Frazier, TFT All-Star. The Wednesday preview, Brent Homan, TFT Pest. I think is probably the best. Wow. He's just a, he's just a pest. Wow. He's just I love Brent. Yeah, well, you don't hate the Hawkeyes, so I guess that's true. Thursday, small school expert Corey Hogue will join us for the three A preview. How about that? And Friday, get a load of this, Greg. Potential double dip. Really? Central Texas's finest, Miss Terry Adams and the brain Ed McElroy. Gasp. That's that's the rumor on the streets. They both might be in studio for that. Audible gas. I know. Wow. I know. What a what a week we've got. Yeah. Uh, as we are now ten days away from kickoff of the 2019 uh, football season here in the state of Texas. My wife asked me uh, because um, um, Florida and Miami play on Saturday. Okay. And uh, in in college football, so college football starts before high school football. That's weird. And she she identified it as weird and i was super impressed with her to identify that as weird i'm like yes you are right but she was that's because she is a college game day stan yeah she is oh my gosh she's ready she always watches that so in any case so what you're saying is mom brain is a myth mom brain is a myth but dad brain you're leaning hard on that (sighs) yeah absolutely anytime i screw up it's not dad brain so yeah all right um as we mentioned 6a preview day but we were going to launch right into it but we would be remiss if we did not mention 
uh, that there was some very sad news that came down yesterday. Um, as uh, Cedric Benson, uh, the former Midland Lee running back, the former Texas running back, and the former NFL running back, um, has passed away, uh, was killed in a car accident, uh, the age of uh, 37, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, let me make sure I get that right. That seems like an important detail. Yeah. Um, the 36, I think. I don't think he quite 36. Turned right, yeah, 36. Yeah. Uh, he was apparently, we don't have a ton of details still. Sounds like the, he was on his motorcycle and got hit by a van. Right, yeah. um, in Austin. And yeah. so Cedric Benson uh, has died at the age of 36. A tragic, tragic loss. Um, obviously, anytime somebody is, is killed at, at that age in, in, in any sort of uh, motor vehicle accident, it's it's ter- It's terrible. Uh, this one has a particularly deep tie to kind of what we're all about here yeah. at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Um, I think there's a lot of people around the country who remember Cedric Benson uh, as a, a really solid NFL running back. He had 3,000-yard yeah. seasons, most notably, I believe, for the Bears, yeah. was where he did the, the majority of, of his uh, his damage as, a, as an NFL player. Uh, before that, I feel like there's probably a lot of people who know Cedric Benson as a great running back at Texas. Yep. Um, he is uh, he's a guy who uh, really, in a lot of ways, he, he, he followed Ricky Williams. Uh, he was a guy who was supposed to be, in, in many respects, uh, the next big thing uh, uh, for, for the Texas Longhorns, and, and he did. I mean, this is a guy who... Uh, who did a, a a fantastic job? He's second all time in career rushing yards, only behind Ricky Williams, ahead of Earl Campbell. Uh, I mean, he has the fourth biggest rushing season in Texas uh, college football history. Um, he was a star there at at Texas, and I think that's really where a lot of people got to know the name Cedric Benson. But there is also what came before that and in my mind what I will always remember Cedric Benson for is what he was in high school Mm -hmm. what he was for the Midlandly Rebels because plain and simple he is an iconic Texas high school football player he is no doubt on the short list of all-time great Texas high school football players. And I think if you ask anybody who, who has any sort of uh, idea about what Texas high school football is all about, the name Cedric Benson will be quick to be said in any sort of conversation. Yeah. Um, he was a legend and icon out there at Midland Lee. He is still the eighth leading rusher in Texas high school football history. Um, you know, and, and I, I can't remember... Uh, who uh, it was Joel Anderson? Joel Anderson, who who writes for for Slate, uh, said it really well yesterday. For a generation of Texans, there is Kenneth Hall, right? Mm-hmm. There is the Sugarland Express. He is the running back, the guy yep. that that was the face of Texas high school football, the iconic running back in Texas high school football. I think, in a lot of ways, for another generation, it was Earl Campbell. Right, Earl Campbell was a, a terrific, terrific running back. Although I don't know in high school if he was quite the icon that Kenneth Hall was. And then for another generation, there is Cedric Benson. Yeah, Cedric Benson, for many different reasons, was this myth. He was the guy that that you had heard about, but you never saw. Matt Stepp said that he was Kyler Murray without Twitter. Yeah, which I think is super 
accurate because you heard about Kyler Murray, right? When he was doing what he was doing early in his career at Allen. And if you needed to, you could go onto YouTube and you could see the highlights. You can go, whoa, this guy's really, really good. Cedric Benson, in part because he played out in the Permian Basin, he played out away from the major metro, major metro areas. And let's be honest, those are the media centers of Texas as well. And this was before YouTube. This was before Twitter. This was before you could send people highlights and things like that. In a lot of ways, you just heard about Cedric Benson through reading the newspaper. Or maybe you a very early message board, right? You would hear, oh my gosh, there's this kid. There's this guy out there, Midland Lee, who just ran for 350 yards on Odessa Permian, right? Mm-hmm. You would hear he was a myth. He was Paul Bunyan yeah. of Texas high school football. But then when you got a chance to see him, he somehow even exceeded the hype. If you go onto YouTube right now and go watch some of the highlights of Cedric Benson playing at Midland Lee, it's absurd. It is absurd. He was a different guy, just a different player. The jump cuts, the speed, the vision, he was the complete player. There is a reason. He's up here on the, on the screen right now, actually. Yeah. There is a reason that Dave Campbell's Texas football started in 1960. Okay, We started in 1960. We did 40 magazines. Nothing but college players on the cover. Nothing but college players. 2,000 rolls around. The 41st edition of Dave Campbell's Texas football. We put Cedric Benson on the cover. And it was a no-brainer to put Cedric Benson on the cover. He was an iconic Texas high school football player. By the way, we've only ever put two high school football figures solo on any cover. Cedric Benson and Phil Danaher, we put on a secondary cover. That is hallowed ground for us. We don't give that away lightly. You could certainly make an argument that Kyler Murray should have been on a cover. I think that there's, a, there's certainly an argument for that. But in many ways, Cedric Benson was the iconic Texas high school football player of his generation. And he's gone too soon. Um, uh, dead at the age of 36 in, in, in a car accident. Um, oh, certainly we're thinking about his family and his, his friends. Uh, and, and it is a, a true loss for the Texas high school football community. And I think, I, I'm not looking at the comments, I guarantee you there are people in the comments saying Cedric Benson's the greatest high school football player I've ever yeah. seen. Yep. It was astonishing. Matt Stepp tweeted yesterday the highlights of the 2000 or 1998 game Midland Lee versus San Antonio MacArthur. Yeah. Where, where he goes for, I think, four total touchdowns. I think he r- runs for three and catches another pass. He did that as a 15-year-old sophomore. <laughs> 15. And he was ripping people up on the biggest stage. Mm-hmm. He guided Midland Lee to three consecutive state championship game state championships, and I'll be honest, that 2000 team had almost no business winning a state championship. Yeah. It was not as good as the 98-99 teams, and Cedric Benson willed them to a win over Austin Westlake. Uh, a tragic loss for the Texas high school football community, the Texas football community uh, writ large. Uh, Cedric Benson uh, dead at the age of 36 uh, in a car accident. 
We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells, and of course see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across Lone Star State. I want to invite you to check out TexasFootball.com to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. That is our subscription package. Uh, here's here's the elevator pitch. Two magazines a year's worth of exclusive online content for $19.95 plus shipping and handling. There's the elevator pitch. You the uh, I believe you would still get the 2019 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football uh, as your first magazine. You'll get that mailed to you. You also get uh, the 2019 recruiting edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, which is coming out uh, in early December. You'll get that mailed to you. You also get a year's worth of exclusive online content at TexasFootball.com. There's a lot of content right now at TexasFootball.com. You will get computer rankings of every Texas high school football team, computer projections of every Texas high school football game, a season's worth of Tep and Step, our premium high school football insider podcast. Uh, you will get uh, recruiting analysis from Fritz at Next Level Athlete at texasfootball.com slash recruiting. You will get access to our archives, texasfootball.com slash archives. A lot of great insider stuff. I believe Matt Step's district predictions are going up. That is for insiders as well. All sorts of good stuff. There has never been a better time to become Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at texasfootball.com slash insider. $19.95 plus shipping and handling for the first year. It's $24.95 plus shipping and handling for the next year. Makes a great gift as well. Uh, Labor Day is coming up. Celebrate unions by giving the, the union member in your life uh, a, Dave, a subscription to Dave Campbell's Texas Football. It's texasfootball.com slash insider. Makes a great gift. Max, we are a mere 10 days away from the 2019 Texas high school football season kicking off. Uh, a lot to get to. It's, it's preview true. week yep. here on Texas football today, but we're not doing this alone. No. Uh, we, we, we can't. We can't do it alone. There's, it's too, too heavy of a lift. So we're bringing in up some big guns. Uh, we start, we're doing Class 6A today, and why not bring in the biggest gun of them all? The one we're actually paying. The one, the one we're actually paying. <laughs> Will you shut up? Because then they're going to ask for payments. <laughs> we are joined by uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football contributor and Austin American statesman, high school writer, our friend Jay Plotkin. Jay, how are things in beautiful Austin, Texas? They are great, Greg. How are things up in uh, up in the beautiful Metroplex as right. we get set for for another season? It's it's good. We're we're very excited around here. We're an excitable bunch, as you know. <laughs> and um, but this this figures to be. Um, uh, here's my question: because you you cover uh, high school football in the Austin area uh, down there, uh, has it hit you yet? Like, are you starting to get that high school football buzz yet? I am. Uh, and you know, doing stuff for the statesman, I've already been out to four different schools to to get the to get my get kind of take a pulse of what's going on. I was at Vandegrift this morning talking to Drew Sanders. Um, so yeah, it's it's getting close, and we're, I think we're all excited that it's here. So we're going to talk Class Six A today. Uh, a lot to get to here. Obviously, the state's largest classification. Uh, let's start real first and foremost with a, a bit of a, a quick 2018 recap. And and for me, the recap is that. You had dominant North Shore and Longview teams that squeaked out titles. Um, two teams that uh, ended up hoisting the hardware there at AT&T Stadium in dramatic, dramatic fashion, despite the fact that they more or less mowed over everybody on their way there. And I think that that speaks to what we saw last year, which is I think when, when the dust settled, there were probably only about six or seven teams that were state championship caliber. 
Two of them ended up winning it, but once it got mm-hmm. down to that state semifinal re, uh, uh, kind of realm, uh, that's when we really started to separate the wheat from the chaff um, and, and, and notice those things. But to me, that's, that's the headline for, for 2018 is that you had these two dominant forces that late in the year, especially semifinals and state championship games, got pushed to the brink. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we get we go through these cycles every few years, um, but last year seemed to be one where the separation uh, from the the teams at the very very top from the other really really good ones uh, was quite broad. Uh, you know, especially get to that semifinal level with the way that uh, North Shore dismantled Lake Travis. You just don't see teams do that to Lake Travis that often. Um, and Duncanville on the other side of the bracket mm-hmm. as well. And to me, you know, the thing is to dovetail, not to dovetail into 2019 mm-hmm. too quickly, but they bring back mm-hmm. the bulk of their teams. Um, so we could be in for this uh, kind of again. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what it is, is that in a lot of ways, 6A is is um, the land of the Blue Bloods. It's the land of the Giants, and, and you have the same handful of teams that are that are in it. You don't have a ton of, actually, not a ton of repeat champions, but you do have a lot of teams that, that are, are there every single year. You mentioned Lake Travis. Lake Travis is a team that you can kind of pencil in uh, to at least a regional final, uh, and generally speaking, it's usually a pretty safe bet to put them in a state semifinal at least every single year, but that doesn't mean they get there every year, and I think last year was a perfect encapsulation of that. You have these teams that are these giants, and eventually they do end up meeting, and that's when we get probably the best of Class 6A. I I think you're right. I mean, you got, you know, every once in a while you'll get somebody, you know, like you had Westbrook sneak in last year Mm -hmm. um, in the Division II level, uh, which is great, but I think, you know, as much as we like the underdog stories and things like that, there's still a large portion of the audience who wants to see the very best go at it. And at least going back for the, since uh, 5A became 6A in 20, um, 2012, 2014, that area. Yeah. You go back and you look at it and you know, Allen's played in three straight championship games. Katie played in four, like Travis played in three Cedar Hill played in three. Um, so you do tend to be, be a little top heavy. Um, but like you said, those teams really don't, it's not a, a given that just because Allen's in the title game that they're going to win or Lake Travis is in it, they're going to win. Um, of that group that, that I just mentioned, only Allen won all those games when they mm-hmm. were there consecutively. You know, Katie was four in a row, four years in a row. They went two and two, uh, Lake Travis most recently three years in a row. They went one and two Cedar Hill, uh, 2012 through 2014, um, that series they played against Katie actually went two and one. So um, you do get the top, you do get those those blue bloods up there, and they know what they're doing. But um, but you do really see a fair fight when it's blue blood blue blood program on blue blood program. Let's get to our our at a glance now. Moving to 2019, we'll go region by region here, um, and. We are. We'll start with Division One. Uh, well, and it's it's hard to. We'll start with Region One, and and again, this is going to be different from all the other kind of uh, previews we do, simply because, well, um, we have a lot of different. You know, we have two different divisions that we have to split up after the fact. Uh, I think all eyes in Region One are going to be on Duncanville. This is a, a program, obviously, that made it to a state championship game, came up one play short of a uh, one three seconds short <laughs> of a state championship uh, a year ago. Bring back a ton of really uh, impressive talent, including Jaquin and Jackson. Uh, the quarterback now the Texas commit uh, Chris Thompson the, the, the safety 
Um, you know, that said, I think that there's a, a fair number of teams that, that are going to give them a challenge there. Uh, South Lake Carroll brings back a, a, a good a good core. I know they're very excited about this uh, this new quarterback, Ewers. Uh, I know they're excited about that. Uh, I think that, you know, DeSoto is a bit of a mystery box this year. We, we don't really know uh, what to expect from them. And then you get into teams like Arlington, Lamar, Euless Trinity, teams, of course, that have a, a lot of pedigree, but we don't really know. But but from a from a Division One perspective, I think it's fair to start that conversation with the Duncanville Panthers. Sure. I mean, and there, and is there a team in Texas that's got more motivation to, to get back there and, yeah. and play those last three seconds? Yeah. I mean, you look at that thing too, you can look at that thing one of two ways. Um, they are either supremely motivated and they're not going to let anything stand in their way, or that was just such a tremendous gut punch that it takes them a little while to get over it. And we, we don't quite know what we get um, along the way. Uh, but like you said, Greg, they're they're loaded with with Division One guys, um, players who are hungry, and I would be surprised if um, if they're not the team to beat in in Region One. I think so. Carol, yeah, Carol's always you know is, is probably a nice uh, a nice foil to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got their own you know art, you know they've got their own crop of talented guys as well. So uh, it's going to be a nice battle. Yeah, but it starts. Uh, I think definitely it has to start with with Duncanville over in Division Two. It's it's a lot more wide open. If you you know people people who may not remember uh, who won Region One in Division Two last year, uh, surprise! It was Amarillo Tascosa, <laughs> um, and Tascosa is going to be back. I mean, they've got Kenneth Plunk back in the back in the mix. Uh, you know, a, a really talented uh, quarterback. They got some. Uh, pieces to to fill or some holes filled defensively, but I, I will say that that there's uh, it's it's really a bit of a, a um, we don't really know what to expect from Division Two. Um, I think that all eyes kind of turn towards Denton Geyer, a program that obviously has a lot of pedigree, but but you know is coming off of a six and six year. Uh, that's that's not something to, to necessarily forget. Uh, a lot of teams that have been there before that maybe haven't been there recently. Uh, I look at a team like Denton Geyer. I look at a team like Cedar Hill, which is going to be mixed. Hebron is another team that, that has pedigree that hasn't necessarily been there uh, recently. And then a, a team like Arlington, not to mention, of course, as we mentioned, Amarillo Tascosa. So whereas I do think there is this kind of heavy favorite in Division One in Region 1, when you look at Division Two, I think that it's, it's a lot more the Wild West out there. I like the Wild West, too, because, you know, we... Yeah, you go back to Division One. We t- we're we're talking about the same group of teams, and and it's just kind of refreshing in a way, uh, both from a writer standpoint and it's got to be from a fan standpoint. Uh, for those who don't have you know their their focus on one particular team, if you if you want to look at the whole region and and look for teams to to really grab hold to as a uh, grab hold of as a neutral. Um, yeah, the new blood is great and it's exciting and you don't know what's going to happen every week. Uh, and you get some great games out of it too. And, and the stories that we'll, we'll learn, yeah, with some of these new teams, uh, becoming more prominent on the state level is, is going to be a lot of fun to track. Region two, we go and, and in region two, division one, as we projected out, uh, obviously things can't change. Although one team we know is going to division one, uh, the Allen Eagles will go to division one and, and look, it's, they are the big, bad, 
Wolf, right? They are the team that has dominated whatever region they've been in, whether it's Region 1 or Region 2, depending on where alignment, realignment uh, sits them. Uh, here they sit, probably, the I think, have to be the favorite, but this is a team that, you know, in talking with Terry Gamble and Allen, is, is a different Allen team. This is a team that doesn't have those superstars, doesn't have those, those brand names I think we've come to expect from the Allen Eagles. Uh, that said, pedigree matters. Depth matters. What they have coming back matters. I mean, this is a team that lost 56 Letterman and returns 42. <laughs> that is... Those are real numbers. <laughs> and now... I will say that that I don't think it's a walkover. I think that you've got teams like the Woodlands that that have proven that they can hang uh, with a team like Allen. I'm really interested in a team like Rockwall, uh, which has uh, tons of, of of upside, and a team uh, you know like Hewitt Midway, which of course has had a state championship uh, pedigrees as well. Depending on which side of the bracket they end up, or rather which bracket they end up on. But for me, uh, I am extremely. I think that again, it has to start with Allen, although maybe not as emphatically as Region One starts with Duncanville. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I was looking, I was doing some, some research on this one. And, and is it actually possible for us to have a season where Allen is not in the semifinals? Yes. I mean, that just kind of seems to be, it hasn't happened in a while. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, it would. Here's our, you, let me look at this. Uh, so we've got our brackets out. They would see yeah. right now, our projected bracket would see them uh, playing a team uh, like the Woodlands in a regional semifinal. Um, oh, I'm sorry, regional final. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, regional semifinal. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so they could see the Woodlands in a regional semifinal. That's after they get... By the way, their path, Allen's path, would be a team like Rowlett. They'd be favored over them. But then Rockwall, the Woodlands, and then either Hewitt Midway or a team like Klein Oak. I mean, depending on what this Allen team looks like, I don't think... You know, in a lot of ways, you could... Uh, I think, kind of like we are talking about with Lake Travis in Region 4, in past years, we've been able to just pencil them in. I'm yeah. not. I mean, we'll see early on. They're going to get some tests early, uh, playing Cedar Hill and Dickinson in, in the first two weeks. But I don't know if it's necessarily that you can pencil them in because I think Region Two has gotten so much better. Oh, the Allen dads are laughing at you. They're I'm watching sure. this and they're laughing at you. I'm sure they are. Uh, yeah, that's been the one program they've had. They're transcendent players. Obviously, you know, Kyler Murray comes to mind. Um, but they've been able to do it without a transcendent player as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that speaks to the depth and, and just the sheer, sheer volume of it. They can run two and three waves at you, and they are probably the team in the state that is least susceptible to stepping back when they get an injury. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, you're talking about week 13, 14 of the season. Um, that's going to make a difference um, down the road. Uh, and by the way, you know, don't let, let anybody – tell you that they're not really good uh just because they don't have one of those one of those transcendent players or they lost guys like theo weiss um they got plenty of guys who can still play and will um and will transition very nicely to saturdays Ter terry terry gamble um compared this team i think a lot more to the 2008 team which won a title by the way uh which was a little <laughs> bit more anonymous right it was a little bit uh not necessarily those headliners those guys who are going to who are going to um to get you know large features written about them by every site uh, across the internet. Um, this is a team that, that I think is going to be a little bit more greater than the sum of their parts, but that ma that's what makes it interesting is that we haven't seen this type of Allen team in, in a while. Uh, to Division 2 we go uh, in, in Region 2. Um, we're, we're talking about Longview, of course, the defending state champs. Um, they have the quarterback in Haynes King, the Texas A&M commit, mm -hmm. who's a superstar. Um, and, and 
I will also say, though, that they've got uh, a fair number of, of potential landmines within their own region. Uh, you mentioned Austin Vandegrift. Austin Vandegrift springs to mind. I think there there may be a notion statewide to say, oh, well, they, they sure lost uh, a lot. And, and they lost some big-time playmakers. I'm not here to, mitig to, to mitigate that. But I think that Drew Sanders is a good enough coach to get those boys uh, where they need to be, when they need to be there. Uh, Spring Westfield, of course, of course looms uh, large as well. And then I even lump in a team uh, maybe like Klein Collins, which I'm very high on a 10-win season a year ago. Uh, but, you know, Longview, of course, as the defending state champs, I think they deserve first billing whenever we're talking about Region 2 and Division 2. But, but there is, there's no shortage of potential tripping points for them. I think Vandergrift is interesting. Um, yeah, they've got some some experience back, and most and kind of kind of like Longview, their experienced quarterback, mm -hmm. uh, Drew Dawson, is maybe not in the same class as um, guys like King or, or Hudson Card, but he knows he knows how to win. He took mm -hmm. them through an unbeaten regular season last year, uh, and he's back looking for more. He's got talented receivers around him, and, and I think they found a running back. Um. But, yeah, so that'll be an interesting game and an interesting potential rematch in the – I think that was a regional semifinal last year. I believe so, yeah. Um, but, again, you know, these, we talked talk earlier about these things kind of coming in waves. Uh, you know, it's hard to bet against Longview with Haynes King as, their, as that transcendent star. Mm -hmm. uh, he's going to want to go off on a – want to go out on a, on a – with a bang. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it was, took them a long time to, to win that elusive title. Uh, they don't want to wait nearly as long uh, for the second. We're talking with Jay Plotkin uh, of the Austin American Statesman and Dave Campbell's Texas Football here on Texas Football Today. Previewing 6A here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation hashtag TF Today. All right, let's go to Region 3, and uh, we'll talk about Division 1, uh, which <laughs> is a pack of dogs that have bees in their mouth, and when they bark, they shoot bees at you. Um, Region 3 of Division 1 is ludicrous. Um, and in fact, last year, people may forget, every district champion from Region 3 ended up in the Division 1 bracket. Every one of them. Uh, and so you've got teams like, obviously, Galena Park North Shore, which the defending champs and have... I mean, they are... The, I guess I'd compare the, the biggest best comparison I make to them is maybe like you go back to Manville like 2016 2017 where that was just FBS kids all over the place but even this I think makes Manville pale in comparison North Shore of course with Dunk uh, with uh, with Zach Evans uh, with Demetrius Davis with Shadrick Banks with just tons of talent all over the field and then you've got a team like Katie oh yeah um, <laughs> oh yeah them they're going to region uh, division one same with umble atascacita same with a team like dickinson who i'm very high on same with a team like cypher same with a team like perlin same with a team uh you know like fort bend rich point same with a team uh, like houston lamar it is a murderer's row in three in region three of division one and that's why even though we have galena park north shore as the number one team in dave campbell's texas football and the favorite to repeat in 6a division one i mean there is, I mean, you look over there and every single week they're going to play a team that is capable of beating them, plain and simple. That's a pretty bold statement. Um, <laughs> it, they're going to play some really good teams, but I think what we learned about North Shore last year, uh, certainly up until they were really, really pushed in that final by Duncanville, they, they, they rise to the occasion. Uh, and they That's can true. make really good teams look really, really average. Um, I'm excited to see or, or check in on you know the opener with Katie. Mm -hmm. 
it's 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 interesting to me that that these two teams agree to play in in the regular season to open to get things started when uh, better than our uh, better than average chance that they're going to see themselves again yep. and you don't see coaches who who want to do that too often um but the thing about north shore and katie that i think um uh, and you know i know i'm going on a big limb here saying they kind of they're a little bit a little bit above or at least a little bit above the pack of the other really good teams in that region is what they can do in the trenches mm-hmm. uh, they are maulers um and I, I think it's always been that way with Katie, where Gary Joseph has had, you know, a solid quarterback, but an outstanding offensive line and a, a really, really good running back. Mm-hmm. And they know what works and they're just happy to get in their eye formation and slam the tailback up at you 30 times. And when he gets tired, bring in the, the junior who's also a division one player and hit you another 15, 20 times that way. And, and you just, it's just too much to overcome. Um, I know that with Bronson McClellan as a senior, they're a little bit more excited about their ability to throw the ball this year. Uh, pencil me in the I'll believe it when I see it category when, <laughs> when Katie opens that offense up a little bit. <laughs> but, um, but they may not need to. Right. Um, the same thing with North Shore, and the thing that I think separates them is they have the playmakers on the outside. Uh, you know, Evans is a home run hitter. Uh, for sure. Uh, and don't forget that John Gentry, is, his backup, is also a – he's going to Arkansas, right? Yeah, I think he's an, yeah, he's an FBS commit I know somewhere. I mean, he's a top 100 player too. Mm-hmm. So um, – and then and then you talk about Davis and Banks and the group of kids who can catch the ball. And the, anybody who's going to put pressure on, on Davis – uh, has got to be either blitzing 12 people or just have an incredible crop of defensive linemen because um, North Shore still has that has a, an offensive line that would be large by most um, Power 5 conference standards in college. Yeah, let me let me make sure I, I clarify my stance on Galena Park North Shore. Uh, they were the best team in the country last year, and <laughs> until somebody goes and beats them, they're going to be favored in every single game that they play. I'm just saying that if you were to drop them into a region that could challenge them, this is the most... It's a viper region. pit. It's a viper pit. Exactly. Yeah. It's a yeah. most fearsome yeah, region. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, but but, but I, that that's that's what makes it so exciting is that whereas think about go back to Allen. Like when Allen was really rolling, you didn't need to pay attention to their playoff games until the semifinals, right? Like you just didn't. Mm-hmm. With North Shore, they're going to get a, a really interesting challenge in area round. They're going to get a really interesting challenge in the regional semifinals. A really interesting challenge in the regional final. You know, and that's what makes it exciting to me in, in Region Three that that North Shore, even though I do think they're the best team there, uh, they're they're at least gonna they're at least gonna see some teams that are in their weight class. Yeah, and I get I get that I get your point. They're they're not able to really throw a B minus effort out there, yes. and and advance. I think that's the difference. And they've they've got to be on top of their game every week, uh, especially as you mentioned, once they get out of the regular season and into that second, third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, but that's the way it should be. When you get to the playoffs, they should be competitive games, and your fan base should be a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when it gets really fun for everybody. Let's uh, let's transition to Division Two of Region Region Three, which is kind of like 
who's left? Now, last year, last year it seemed like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. They're just going to run into Westlake. Uh, well, they did, and it ended up being Beaumont Westbrook. And I feel like there's a lot of people uh, across the state who may be thinking, oh, well, Beaumont Westbrook, it was a great run last year. Good for you. You caught Westlake on a bad day. You gave Lo- Longview a run. Uh, you know, uh, we're going to tussle your hair. You're without Lorraine <laughs> Vanilla. You're, 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 you know, you're without Robert McGrew. All those guys who led them to a, to a state championship game. Tussle your hair, head you back uh, to the Golden Triangle with you. Uh, I, I think they're going to be really good again. I said it after I said it on on uh, on the post game show on Fox Sports Southwest that if you think that Eric Peavy's squad is going away, you are truly truly mistaken. Uh, not to mention the fact that I do think that they have a much more manageable road than if they were in Division One. Uh, I'm I'm high on a team like Houston Drake Jesuit, which can certainly score. I think Katie Tompkins is a very interesting sleeper, but I, in the end, I do look at Region uh, Division Two, uh, and and you know, add a team like maybe Humble Summer Creek, but I do look like a, a team at Region or in, in Division Two. Like Beaumont Westbrook, and I think that they've probably got enough talent left over to be the favorite in Region Three. And they, you know, like you said, they are they're eager to get back and prove that that last year is not going to be a flash in the pan. Um, but I do think a team like Tompkins is interesting uh, because they've got you know those transcendent guys, Jalen Milrow, not going to be easy out at any level, and he, you know these he's not going to he's not going to let his team be an easy out. Um, so yeah, there's there's there are interesting games at that level on the Division Two bracket as well. I think it's really interesting that you know we get these every once in a while. Uh, it happened a few years ago with uh, or in 2015 with Lake Travis and Westlake, where you get uh, teams from the same district playing in both the, in both state championship games. We had that last year with uh, with North Shore and with Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Um, to Region Four we go. Um, finally into your wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, we're talking talking Region Four, Jay Plotkin, and and, um, yeah. and and we'll talk with Division One. Like Travis is going to the Division One bracket uh, if they qualify the playoffs. And um, I guess I, I pose to you, Converse Judson does exist, um, uh, and teams like San Antonio O'Connor, which I think are intriguing, San Antonio Reagan, which I think are intriguing, uh, they exist as well. Is there any reason to believe that Lake Travis should not start the year as the favorite to come out of Region One uh, in or Region Four rather in Division One? Um, it's going to be interesting. It's, it, it got real interesting for Lake Travis last week mm-hmm. um, because they are now playing without um, without the full deck of cards they thought they were going to be playing with. Uh, Lake McCree's injury. Um, uh, if you haven't heard, he. He's he's out with a season-ending knee injury. Uh, suffered, you know, on a non-contact drill. Made it caught a pass, went to turn up field, and uh, and got a cleat caught in the grass, and his knee gave. Mm. Um, so he's done. You know, he was probably he was among the fastest climbing uh, recruits in the country, or uh, certainly in the state. Um, and a big body, tight end, can flex out a little bit, um, and he was he was one of their primary targets uh, late in the season and certainly throughout the spring and the spring practice season and and throughout the summer. So they need to do a little bit of reshuffling with their receiving core, but Lake Travis is one of those places where they can find, they can find receivers. Uh, So it's just a matter of, of how they shuffle them around and um, whether they feel like they need to make any changes with their scheme. Uh, You know, they they fall into that category with uh, with that transcendent player quarterback in Hudson Card. Mm-hmm. They've got an experienced offensive line. They've got you know a three headed 
monster really at running back. Uh, all of them do a little bit, do something a little bit differently than the others, but they all do it really well. I think last year they combined for about 1500 yards. Uh, they're looking for more from them this year. And if, uh, if they're missing that, that target in the passing game, uh, they may actually rely on running the ball a little bit more. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit better defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need to find some beef up front, uh, especially when you when you project it all out and think that if they're going to win the if they're going to win Region Four, uh, then there sits North Shore or Katie or you know mm-hmm. somebody else that that's going to try and push them around. But I think uh, I think there's reason to. You're you're you, you're conf, you're you're pretty comf, you can pretty comfortably say they should come out of the region, but I think it's one of those deals where you want to see them play for you want to see them play a couple of competitive mm-hmm. games for, games first, and just make sure that that they're still what you think they are. Right, I, I think that's fair. I, I think that Hank Carter and his com- and, and company have earned the benefit of the doubt, even with injuries like that. But I do think that it'll be interesting just to to, to see what this. What this like Travis team's uh, personality is, because I'll be honest, like uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that I think that they're the favorite in Region Four. But yeah. if they stumble, I mean, Converse Judson is always talented, even with a new coach and Rodney Williams. I think that they're going to be talented again. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, teams those those teams from the San Antonio area, O'Connor and Reagan, I do think are interesting and have you know high upside. And if, you know, if there's that kind of mixture between them reaching or maybe exceeding their upside and Lake Travis falling back to the pack. There is that possibility, but I do think that Hank Carter and company at Lake Travis earn the benefit of the doubt. To Division Two, we go. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Jay. Oh, I was going to say the thing. But the thing that concerns me with with Judson, I think if you look at the San Antonio Division One schools, they they've also earned the benefit of the doubt. They're mm-hmm. the they're the top of the order until somebody can knock them off. Um, they lost a lot, especially on defense, mm-hmm. and how quickly can they rebuild, especially the the defensive front? And uh, with you know, you, you don't just replace Demarvin Leal overnight. Uh, and the Kevin Wood was a, was a playmaker, and so was Rashad Wisdom. I think he started for for I think six years. Uh, it seemed like he's been there for a long time, but uh, but that's just in a his, lot to overcome. In his They're very year talented. Of eligibility, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, he's uh, he's in his fourteenth year of eligibility right now. Um, to Division Two we go, and it's a, a similar kind of a similar story where you've got Austin Westlake, of course, Lake Travis's district bunkmate. Um, and and they're going to be a, a really interesting squad this year. I think once again, kind of uh, in in an odd Todd Dodge way, um, his best assets going to be on defense. Like they're going to have, uh, I think their defense has a chance to be really really good. Um, which I think when people think of Todd Dodge, they think oh high flying offenses uh, and things like that. Uh, but then you know you've got teams uh, like Civil of Steel and, and a team that uh, a team that's been I think relatively dormant for the past couple of years. Um, at least since that title title game run in 2016, where they lost to Desoto, uh, they lurk. A team like San Antonio Brandeis, I think, lurks as well. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at. Is that we are at a point where again Westlake, I think, is the favorite there. But should should there be a, a you know a penny on the train tracks, so to speak? Then I do, I do think that there's a, a number of teams from the San Antonio area uh, that could up up and get them. I agree. I think, um, you know, we kind of forgot about Steele a little bit. Um, the year after that title run, title their the run to the title game where they lost to DeSoto, they went back to the regional final mm-hmm. with, and they ended up playing a freshman quarterback um, and lost to Westlake in that, um, in that regional final. 
but if you know they're more experienced on offense, they are still. I mean, if if the University of Texas likes to call itself DBU, uh, when do we start naming steal that? Um, <laughs> and certainly in in this part of the state, it seems like they've got top notch defensive backs every year. And with Jalen Jones leading the way, you know this year is no different. Um, they're a team that has had success and certainly want to get back to the to the top of that heap. Uh, it'll be interesting with to see how they do in that district with Judson. Uh, of course that won't have a lot to do with playoff pairings, but it just is, you know, it's a great measuring stick to see how far they might project out, um, depending on how that game goes. Um, O'Connor's got some nice pieces as well, like you mentioned. Um, but again, I think it comes down to Westlake, like you said, uh, really, really good, especially on the back end of the defense. Uh, a guy who doesn't get a lot of credit, maybe outside of this area is is Tony Salazar. Uh, he is a, a yes. genius of a defensive mind as their coordinator and, and he lets coach he lets Dodge really focus on the offense, uh, which is his wheelhouse. And um, I visited with him about a week ago. He's really excited about their possibilities. They've got a quarterback competition going on. Uh, and but they're still so they may not know today who their quarterback's gonna be. But they've got a really good wide receiver in Mason Mangum. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan Lindley is a, a wide receiver who's eligible again after sitting out um, after having a great sophomore year at Westwood. Uh, so they got some weapons on the outside. Um, they got some experienced quarterbacks who had to step in um, when Taylor Anderson got hurt last year. And uh, yeah, I think they're they feel like they're pretty close and. Uh, after the, you know, you talk about the rivalry with, with Lake Travis, people tend to remember the 10 games in a row that, that Lake Travis has won in that series, had won in that series. I'm sorry. Uh, but Westlake won the last two, and last year was rather convincing. So they feel like they've got the upper hand in the district, and they certainly carry that momentum forward. Um, they think they've got pretty good chances, and, and they're very, they're, they talk very, very calmly and very plainly about it. You know, they feel like they can win 12 games. They want to see what they can do to win 13 or 14 or more. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that you're right. And, and, and that is, um, you know, the, the I think it's it's going to be a no, notion anytime that, that Westlake and Lake Travis um, district is, is paired together in Region 4. Uh, they've just really dominated Region 4 as a result. And, and I know all eyes are going to be on, on when they play together. But, I mean, there's a fair chance that that, that is a matchup of two teams that win their region uh, and a fair chance that that, that is a matchup of two teams uh, that, that are playing at AT&T Stadium, uh, you know, if they get the right draw, if they can get through a, what should be a really difficult region, uh, you know, state semifinal, um, which, uh, yeah. which, which which makes it exciting. And it makes that game certainly worth worth paying attention to, but maybe not putting a ton of stock in the result, if that makes sense. Yeah, you talking about the game on October 11th? Yes. Yeah, I think that's great for area bragging rights, and certainly for the for the two of them, you know, they want to come out. There are two trophies at stake in that game. One is, uh, is this piece of work that that lives in the winning school's athletic office, and the other is the district championship trophy. Uh, they both they want you know they want those for sure, mm-hmm. uh, but you know they recognize that the game is that the, the rivalry is more for the fans. And it's great for the community. It's great for high school football. They use it as a measuring stick. It happens about in week seven or eight. Um, so it gives them a great barometer of what they need to do to get better uh, as they anticipate long playoff runs. And the other thing that they want is they want to get out of that game healthy. Yeah. That's the um, thing. Yeah. 
Uh, it's Jay right. Blockhead of the Austin American Statesman and Dave Campbell's Texas football uh, contributor here on Texas football. Today, get involved in conversation hashtag TF today. All right, let's get to uh, to five players to know. I've got my list, and then I don't know if you have a list. Uh, I don't know how well we produce this show, but uh, but I've I've got a list of players that that people need to know. I think some obvious and some not. Uh, Longview, okay. Longview quarterback Haynes King certainly one to know. I, I think he he needs no introduction at this point. Led Longview to a place they haven't been in eighty one years, and is a four star prospect and an AM commit and a superstar and a coach's kid and all the things you can say about Haynes King. Uh, Zach Evans, the running back in North Shore. If you don't know his name, uh, you just haven't been paying attention. He is uh, he is a superstar and arguably uh, the best prospect in the state and arguably the best prospect in the nation, depending on who you ask. Uh, Duncanville defensive back Chris Thompson. A, a lot of eyes are going to be on uh, uh, are going to be on um, Jaquinta Jackson, the quarterback. But I think that he, uh, in a lot of ways, Duncanville was defined last year by how good that defense was, and Chris Thompson is the captain of that defense. Uh, Midland, Midland Lee wide receiver Loic Fuanji. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm gonna have to figure it out before I throw on favorite television. name. Is that what I... well? He's also a stud, and <laughs> and this is 100 percent true. I was walking around THSCA, uh, the coaching school, with an unnamed Big 12 assistant, and we ran by Clint Hartman, the the head coach at Midland Lee, and that unnamed Big 12 assistant made sure to yell out to Coach Hartman, "Hey, make sure you send that big wide receiver to Waco." Uh, so everyone's <laughs> after Loic Fawanji, the, the wide receiver at Midland Lee. Uh, and finally, uh, Amarillo Tascosa, defensive lineman L.B. Moore. Uh, I think that uh, people are going to forget about Amarillo Tascosa, I think, because uh, the last year was such an unexpected run, but they're going to be really good, and I think that defense, especially the front seven, has a chance to be good because of L.B. Moore. Um, Jay, who did I miss? So um, I'm, I kind of made lists for each region. Um, you know, in region one, the, the really interesting guy is Quadarius Davis, the wide receiver at Skyline. Mm-hmm. Um, just playmaker galore. And, you know, if, if they can find time to get him the ball, he can keep them in, in games uh, and certainly put on a good show. Uh, region two, you know, Haynes King, obviously. Um, guys around, especially in, in central Texas that I'm looking at, Chris Vaughn, the running back at Cedar Ridge, mm-hmm. who uh, who's a difference maker and a and a game breaker, a little bit on the small side, but he can play. Put up some huge numbers as a junior last year, and then if you if Vandegrift is going to make a run, you know we spoke earlier about Drew Dawson on their offense. Jax McCauley is an All State linebacker who's back, and and he'll anchor things in the middle and and keep what you know what is traditionally a very stingy defense under Drew Sanders um, rolling along. Um, Jaden Milrow in, in region three, um, you know, mm-hmm. we talk, you, I think you can't talk too much about Evans and Davis at North shore without talking about Damian George anchoring the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cyridge defensive lineman Vernon Broughton is a game wrecker. Yeah. Um, he's one of those war daddies that everybody wants to have. Uh, and then, you know, the two guys you didn't mention in, in region four, uh, in the same boat as Haynes King as Hudson card. I spent a lot of time with these guys. So, so maybe that's a little bit of a biased opinion, but uh, he certainly put on a show at the elite 11. And, you know, if there's a movement out there that wonders whether he is an athlete playing quarterback or a quarterback who is super athletic, um, he is definitely a quarterback who is super athletic. uh, And, Maybe the the quickest way to get Hank Carter to frown at you is to ask him if if Hudson is just an athlete playing quarterback. <laughs> um, and then um, 
you know, San Antonio O'Connor, they've got some skill players, but, but again, all that's going to depend on how their offense gels around um, stud offensive lineman Logan Parr. Toughest districts we go. Um, 21-6A certainly deserves a little bit of credit um, because if you put out half of the teams that play for state championships, then you, you get a mention <laughs> right. on this. Uh, North Shore and Westbrook both play uh, in that district. But I also think that district is, is particularly deep as well. Uh, when you take a look at teams like, I think Houston C.E. King has a chance to be really uh, really interesting. Always a ton of speed there. Uh, Channel View is a team to keep an eye on as well. Um I also look at District 32 6A. I go down to the Valley, uh, and I think that is going to be a really fun slugfest uh, between Harlingen, uh, between San Benito, Brownsville Hannah, which of course made such a terrific run and came within a whisker of a regional final last year. I had in a team like Los Fresnos, which I could be in for a bounce back here. I'm very interested in that. And finally, uh, 7 6A. Uh, I, that's kind of the the traditional district of doom because it's got the uh, the DeSotos and the Cedar Hills. Uh, but I would add in a team like Mansfield Lake Ridge, which I think people may be uh, underrating this year, as well as South Grand Prairie. I'm very high on South Grand Prairie this year. I think they've got a chance uh, to be really special offensively. And when they have some offensive weapons, the defense tends to take care of itself at SGP. As, as far as toughest districts for you, what are you keeping your eye on? I can't argue any of that. I think, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in Central Texas, so I'm going to say 13-6A. Vandergriff, mm-hmm. uh, new into the district last year, ran didn't they ran the table, but far from ran away with it. I think five of their games were 10 points or less, and they played a couple of overtime games in the regular season. Uh, teams like Cedar Ridge, who's had some success of late, um, it's just a, it, it, a lot of evenly matched teams, and you know, the bounce of the ball can can really just you get a weird bounce late in the season. Uh, you know, you can really change some fortunes. And I think, you know, that's that's one of the larger districts in the state. It's a nine team district. Uh, after Van if you install Vandegrift as a favorite, you know, Cedar Ridge, Hendrickson, Round Rock, and Stony Point are a about as good of a next four who are going to battle for for playoff positioning as you can find there there may not be state powers but this is going to be a slugfest on a local level week for week yeah i I think i think you're right 13 6 a's is really really interesting uh beyond uh, you know beyond the top you know and that's kind of what i'm looking for is that if you know there are a lot of districts where there's a favorite right and and i do think it's fair to say that vandegrift's a favorite in district 13 but then you look at that next five. I, heck, I'd even throw in a team. I think I think Westwood's got some upside that, like, um, you know, could get in there and, and, like I said, spoil some team seasons or sneak into the playoffs themselves. That's a really, really interesting district that I think another underrated thing about that is a lot of those teams know each other really well. And those are coaching staffs that are pretty familiar with one another, and they're always looking for that extra little wrinkle to put them over the top. Yeah, and those are those are the fun ones to watch mm-hmm. because you know we can sit here at the beginning of the year and I know you guys project you guys have the the prediction machine that can 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 pick out every game, uh, but it's you know you're going to go from week to week in in these districts and it's going to change wildly. What we think on week three or week four is maybe much different than what we think about week seven, eight, ten. You know, yeah. and it's going to make for some interesting finishes. Finally, we're going to talk about the favorites. Uh, we kind of hinted at them, uh, but but yeah. my favorites, I think the short list there for uh, for Division One is uh, is North Shore, Duncanville, Allen, and Lake Travis. Uh, those are, in fact, my four picks for the state semifinalists. And then at that point, like we kind of mentioned off the top, whenever you get these heavyweights throwing haymakers at each other, 
Um, I, I just, you know, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you know, yes, last year North Shore absolutely pummeled Lake Travis, but, um, you know, give give Hank Carter a full year to prepare for them again, and, and who knows what happens. Uh, but I would say that those are my four favorites. Do you have anybody that you would add to that mix as far as favorites are concerned in Division One? Uh, I think today I would not. Um, you know, I and I agree. I think it's it's North Shore on the Region Three Four side, and um, you know, I, I I like everybody else. I want to see that North Shore Duncanville rematch. Yeah. Um, you know, I know. You know, if it's Lake Travis, they will be improved, but that's just a big gap to overcome. I mean, I, I look at it as Lake Travis could play its best possible game in that semifinal. And it might not be enough. Yeah. And that's just a hard thing to fathom when you look at what Lake Travis has accomplished, you know, in the last 12, 13 years, that yeah. their best may not be good enough. Yeah, it's just, it's just rare. Um, you know, we were watching, actually, and I'm glad we have you on, because uh, the other day we were watching the KD Lake Travis game from 2015. That's the championship game. <laughs> and, and it is just so shocking to see a team body Lake Travis. Like a team just dominate them because we know what Lake Travis is about and then you watch that game and you go oh my gosh this team mm-hmm. is is just on another level uh and that's what we saw I think with the Nor- the, the last time we saw what happened in North Shore Lake Travis uh in 2018 was in 2015 in that state championship game um and then finally let's go over to division two um my my four favorites are Longview Westlake Westbrook who I think deserves some mention in here. And then I, I didn't team like Denton Geyer, which I know has burned me before. The computer I, loves him, baby. computer loves Every them. year. They've got the quarterback in Eli Stowers. Uh, they've got the playmakers. They've got the coach in John Walsh. I'd add them into the mix. Uh, who who uh, who else would you add, uh, if anybody, into the Division Two favorite mix? I'm looking real quick. Uh, <laughs> I... I, I it's hard to argue. I'm not. I, I will. I am admittedly not as familiar uh, with what happens in Region One and Region Two, um, and I, and I, and and I'm not. I'm I'm even less familiar with how they break out. If I look at if I'm just looking at the list of teams, mm-hmm. uh, where who will go up and who will go to who will go to D1 and D2. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Silo Steel in Region Four mm-hmm. has a chance to be uh, to get themselves back into the mix. Um. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that. I think those that 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 weekend that's that second weekend in December, um, could be a really really good one. Yeah, you, know, you know, in the Region Four side, you're looking at like potential Lake Travis Judson matchup and and Westlake and Steel. And mm-hmm. for years, uh, you know, for for much of this decade anyway, those have been the four teams in that region that have that have been the most dominant and. Uh, and they produced some really, really good games. It would be interesting. It would be great to see that again. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they all have questions, but I think right now that that's a good four. The the other thing I'd, I'd throw out there is that Region One is the team is the region where I just shrug my shoulders. I mean, I mentioned Denton Geyer as a favorite there, but at the yeah. same time, if you were to tell me it's Cedar Hill, or you were to tell me it's Hebron, or you were to tell me it's Arlington with Jahari Rogers, we haven't mentioned his name yet, or you were to say Amarillo Tascosa wins another region uh, crown, I would certainly be here for that. I just we don't know. Uh, region One is the mystery, the mystery region, uh, and, and that's what makes it uh, so exciting. He is Jay. Plotkin of the Austin American Statesman and a contributor here at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Follow him on Twitter at jplot. Uh, Jay, appreciate your time, man, and uh, happy football season. Thank you. You too. It's it's going to be a good one. There he goes, Jay Plotkin, 
Austin American Statesman and Dave Campbell's Texas football contributor here doing our 6A preview show here on Texas football today. Uh, tomorrow we will have 5A, so stay tuned for that. And now we go to Max Thompson for America's second favorite segment on episode 800, Final Thoughts. You would never believe it. But everyone is really excited to talk football. Football, football, yeah. football. Lots football. of good, lots of good comments. Lots of, and and I gotta be honest, the TFTers, they know their stuff. They know their stuff. Too much to pick out, but this is a good start to the week, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Who's on the show tomorrow? Guy Frazier. Can I talk a little five A football with us? He might be a little biased, though. I'm just gonna warn everyone. Uh, he's a big fan of Dallas Skyline, right? <laughs> ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Thanks again to Jay Plotkin for being our very special guest analyst. For Max Thompson, I'm Greg Tupper. Vince Young, please be your player of the year trophy. We will see you tomorrow for episode 801. It's more important than episode 800 here on Texas Football Today.